We're in uh, John chapter 9 this morning, John chapter 9. So open your Bibles there, and uh, today we're talking about Jesus' delight. Uh, several weeks ago, we were walking through Advent, and, and this year, as, as part of our Advent, what I wanted to do was take uh, passages, uh, miracles of Jesus Christ recorded in John's Gospel. And so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to continue uh, to pick up the miracles of Jesus Christ. There's seven of them. And so this morning, we're at John chapter number nine and looking at uh, uh, one of the miracles of Jesus Christ and just talking about Jesus is Delight, and uh, I, some of you in, know of the song uh, "I Saw the Light." Hank Williams Jr. Right, uh, Hank Williams Jr. I saw the light. He he wrote a song, and and this is this is the first uh, uh, verse of the song. It says, "I wandered so aimlessly, life filled with sin. I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night. Praise the Lord! I saw." The light. And then the verse goes, I saw the light, I saw the light, no more darkness, no more light. Uh, you know, you, you know that song. And so I thought about that song this week when I was reading John chapter number nine. And, uh, and, and that song, although it was by Hank Williams Jr., it could be a song written by this anonymous person that's recorded in John chapter number nine. I saw the light. And so, uh, when we, when, before we get into the text today, I, I want to ask this question, uh, for, to you. And that's just simply this. Uh, have you seen the light? Have you seen the light? Uh, and so before you answer that question, though, I think you have to know that, that, that when you're talking about seeing the light today, uh, there's two sets of eyes that each one of us have. There are two sets of eyes. Not two eyes, but two sets of eyes that we all have. We have the eyes of our head, but then we also have the eyes of our heart. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 1 and in verse number 18, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 18, the Bible says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And just talking about the Apostle Paul's writing, and he's just simply saying, man, I, I pray that you see salvation for what it is and all the many blessings that you have as a result of your salvation. And he says, I pray pray that the eyes of your heart would be open and uh, and to see the light. And so the question then would be, well, well, what light? What are we talking about? Well, John chapter number one and in verse number four, the Bible says this. In John chapter one and verse number four, it says, in him, talking about Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. And so when you're talking about Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the light. So when you ask the question, have you seen the light? You basically can ask the question in several different ways. You can say, hey, have you been saved? Have you been born again? Have you seen the light? Has the eyes of your heart been open to Jesus Christ? This morning, this morning, I, I believe that, 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 in fact, perhaps all of us even already could say, well, the eyes of my head have seen the light. And just because the eyes of my head has seen the light doesn't mean the eyes of my heart has seen the light. And so by the end of this service today, by the end of this service today, I know for a fact that everybody in this room would have to say, I have seen the light with the eyes of my head. I've seen Jesus for who he is. But the question is, have the eyes of my heart seen Jesus? 
And so my prayer today is that he would open again the eyes of our heart. Have I seen the light? This morning as we look at this passage of scripture, uh, uh, we're going to look at the entire chapter. And when you look at the entire chapter, there's a lot of ways it's impossible to exhaust it during this time. But when you look at this chapter of scripture, it really presents how I can see the light. How I see the light. What happens in my life. And so the first few verses, beginning in verse number 1 and down through verse number 12, uh, it it presents uh, this picture. The first step in seeing the light is the initiation of Jesus Christ. The initiation of Jesus Christ. In other words, if he doesn't shine, there is no light. And so the initiation of Jesus. Watch what happens in this story, beginning in verse number 1, John chapter number 9. The Bible says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied Uh, the clay to his eyes and he said to him go wash in the pool of Siloam which is translated scent so he went away and he washed and he came back seeing therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying is not this the one who used to sit and beg and others were saying this is he still others were saying no but it's like him he kept saying I am the one so they were saying to him how Then were your eyes open? And he answered, The man is called Jesus, made clay, and anointed my eyes. And he said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and I washed and I received my sight. And they said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. And so when you're looking at this passage of scripture... Uh, Again, the initiation of Jesus, understanding uh, uh, the whole point. Why in the world was this even included? In John's gospel, we've talked uh, several weeks now uh, about these miracles of Jesus Christ. John was very clear. John chapter 20, verse number 30 and 31, he tells us the very reason for which this was included. This miracle was included in his writings. And it was simply because I, I want you to know that Jesus is the Christ. And that by knowing you might have life... In him. In other words, who who else do you know on the planet that has ever or will ever be able to take a man that was born blind and restore sight? Now that wasn't even the greatest miracle that happens in this in this uh, uh, story, by the way. Uh, but nonetheless, nonetheless, it's it's just it's just Jesus Christ saying, "Hey, listen, there's 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 a man that's been born blind." But these stories aren't just for. Uh, uh, they're not just miracles for this one individual, but it's really a message that's tied. In other words, there's a word that's used throughout this gospel that talks about this being a sign. It's a sign. In other words, it's symbolic. There's a bigger meaning behind the miracle that happens. And so when you look at this, the bigger meaning of the miracle would be this. Hey, listen, we all were born blind. We all are that man on the side of the road. We all have a need. In our life, I need my eyes 
to be open. John chapter 3, and in verse number 3, the Bible says this. In John chapter 3, and in verse number 3, Jesus answered and he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you're born blind and you have a need. And the Bible says it like this in other places. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Psalm, the psalmist says, you were born. I was brought forth in my iniquity. In other words, I was born with this nature of sin. There's some people that will argue. There's some people that don't believe that. Some people that don't believe that a person was born with sin. And I would say to them, go work in the nursery. You've never worked over there. Go over there and find out. Go watch little children. You don't have to. Do you know of any little child that's been taught how to sin? They just know. It's 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 the nature. It's a broken nature. That that's that's seriously. I'm not. That's serious. It's broken nature. We're born with this nature, and so the question is, how do I fix it? How do I fix the problem that I've been born with? And there's a lot of people that try a lot of different things to fix the problem, but at the end of the day, there's only one fix. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Without the shedding of blood, it says in the book of Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus Christ came into this world, and he paid the price for you and for me. That's the very reason why he came, because there was no other way. In fact, if you remember the story of Jesus Christ, when Jesus, remember this, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and he was praying to the Father and he was grieving over his prayers and as he prayed to the Father, he said this. He said, oh God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way that they might be saved, then do it. But if not, then your will be done. And he laid down his life. Why? Because there's no other way for a person to be saved. There is no other salvation. There is no other healing. We all have been born with the problem And we can't fix it. We need the initiation of Jesus Christ. It's interesting when you look at this story and you see how the disciples, all of a sudden, Jesus Christ, he's walking down the road. He walks out of the temple. They walk out of the temple. And as they're walking out of the temple with his disciples, his disciples and him, they see a man over there who's blind as the story goes. What's interesting about the story is simply this. The disciples, the disciples saw the man, and they saw the man simply as a subject for a theological discussion rather than an object that is in desperate need of grace and mercy. And a lot of times in churches, that's what we do. We love to have theological discussions, but man, we need to get out there and pull our sleeves up and come alongside of people and touch people along the way. They ask the question based on an assumption when you look at it. It was an assumption. In fact, they assumed. They said, well, who sinned? There got to be a problem. I mean, there's a problem with this person. So, so who's, who's to blame? Who sinned? And if we're not careful, we all can, can kind of buy into that theology. You ever heard somebody say this? <clears throat> when the good times are rolling, they say, man, must be living right. <laughs> Don't kid yourself. Be thankful for God's mercy. Be thankful for God's grace. Be careful not to make assumptions uh, based on a person's condition. God help me. You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and in verse number 45, over in Matthew chapter number 5 and verse number 45, the Bible says it like this. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. 
What's he saying? He's saying, hey, listen, we live in a broken world and sometimes you're going to go through some good times and sometimes you're going to go through some bad times. But understand this, that God has purpose in all of it. God has purpose in all of it. Romans, the Bible says in Romans chapter number eight, for God works all things together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purposes. In other words, he's got purposes and plans that are bigger than anything we could ever dream of. And it's amazing when you look at this story. It's amazing when you look at the story at how <clears throat> this man, in fact, in verse number four, it says, it says this in verse number four and five. It says, we must, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And, and so when you're talking about, <clears throat> and if you back up, in fact, if you back up to verse number three, it says that, so that God's works might be displayed in this man. Do you know, do you know it's interesting about how God works? God takes broken pieces. He takes broken lives and broken people. And sometimes it's with that tapestry where the strings are broken that God does the most beautiful work. It's amazing what God can do with brokenness. It's, it, 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 he can display his power. He can display, put himself on display. And it's amazing to be able to, to see that. <clears throat> the, 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 it's, it, in this verse of scripture, uh, it's interesting again when you're talking about the way that Jesus Christ healed him. I mean, it's recorded here, but it's, what's interesting about that is simply this. There's several different places in, in, in the gospels where we see Jesus Christ healing blind people. And do and, and you know that, that, that no two are alike? Methodology. No two are alike methodology. What do you mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. In this story specifically, the Bible says that Jesus Christ went down there and he got some dirt and he spit in the dirt, took it, rubbed it together, put it on the man's eyes, said, go wash in the pool. There's another, there's another account of Jesus Christ healing two blind men where he just simply put his hands on the eyes of the two blind men and healed them while they were standing there. There was another account where Jesus Christ spit directly into the man's eyes and said, go wash in the pool. And, and, and they went and washed. What's the point of all of that? The point is this. I believe that Jesus Christ didn't do it the same every time because it's not the methodology that's important. It's the message. It's the message. It's, it's lessons to be learned through these passages of Scripture. At this point in the story, it's interesting because the greatest work has not yet been done. We've read and we've read a miracle that has happened. But it's, listen, at this point, only the eyes of his head have been healed. Only the eyes of his head have been healed. But Jesus Christ initiated, just like Jesus Christ initiates with us. You know the Bible says in John chapter 6 and verse number 44, John chapter 6 and verse number 44, no man can come to me unless the Father who sent me has drawn him. What's he saying? Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember your testimony of salvation do you know your story? The time, the time when, when, man, you've heard the gospel. I know for me, I'd heard the gospel growing up. Man, I heard the stories. But there was a time in my life when the Holy Spirit of God knocked on the door of my heart. He spoke to me. He initiated the conversation. And that's what has to happen. He initiates it for us. And so, and so this morning, I just want to encourage you and ask the question, is he initiating in your life? Has there ever been that time when he has initiated in your life. Vance Havner said this one time. Vance Havner, Dr. Havner said, a man is judged not on the basis of how many sins he's committed, but how much light he rejects. And just talking about, again, our response to the gospel 
of Jesus Christ, our response to the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, help us to be responsive when we hear his word. You know, the gospel is simply this. All have sinned. It begins with bad news. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, We have a problem. Everybody was born with a problem. And the question is, has your problem been fixed Jesus did that on the cross. That's what the cross is all about. He shed his blood. He paid the price for you and for me. And he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're saved by grace through faith and not by works, lest any man should boast. And so this morning, if you're here and you feel like, well, I'm right with God because I've done this. I'm right with God because I go to church. I'm right with God because I'm a good. No, none of that makes you right with God. The only way I can be made right with God is to have his precious blood applied to my life. I'm saved by grace through faith. It's a gift. God, I know I can't attain it. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've fallen short of your glory, and I need you. The initiation in the story. But then there's this decision that's got to be made by us. The Bible goes on in verse number 13, and it says this. It says, They brought to the Pharisees the man who was formerly blind. Now it was a Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And then the Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, he applied clay to my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees were saying, this man's not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. He's a prophet. So he still doesn't totally understand who Jesus is. Uh, He's a prophet. In other words, he's a good man. He's a man that can do powers from God. And and, and so that's where a prophet... Why did he say that? Well, because when you look back at the Old Testament prophets, the Old Testament prophets did the works of God, amazing signs and wonders. So he must be a prophet of God because he's got to be of God. So when you're talking about this decision that's made, all of us got to make a decision about who Jesus is. Who Jesus is. And so what you have in this story as the story unfolds, in fact, it's been unfolding, I would encourage you to go back and read John chapter 8, John chapter 9, John chapter 10. Read them all together. And what you'll find in John chapter 8 is that there's some heated discussions happening between Jesus Christ and these religious leaders. Uh, in In fact, when you're talking about what was happening, there's a discussion had that's recorded in John chapter number 8. And so some people make a decision and, and their hearts are growing very callous towards God. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of hearing the truth and so I just want to get rid of the truth. And that's where these religious people had gotten to. I'm, I'm, I'm just not, I, I'm tired of hearing it. In fact, when you look at the conversation being had, Jesus Christ was saying, hey, if you guys, they were boasting about, well, we're children of Abraham. We're, we got the genealogy. We're, we're part of the family because of our biological lineage. We're tied into Abraham. And Jesus said, well, if you're children of Abraham, you ought to act like it. And they said, at least we weren't born in fornication to Jesus. They were trying to cut him. They were trying to cut him. And that's when Jesus Christ came back and talked about Abraham and said, hey, before Abraham was, in John 8, 58, I am. You all need to know who I am because you're denying who I am. Why? Because they were callous. Why were they callous? 
because Jesus did not fit their religious bubble. You got to fit my little bubble for me to receive you. And we got to be careful when you're talking about Jesus Christ. Their hearts were growing callous. But then there's also these that, that, that kind of fence sitters that, that I would call a, a coward response to the gospel of Jesus Christ. A coward response. What do you mean a coward response? Watch this boy, this, boy, this man, however old he was. Watch his mother and father. The Bible goes on and says this. Verse number 18. The Jews then did not believe it of him that he had been blind and had received sight until they called the parents of the very one who had received his sight and and questioned them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he see? And his parents answered them and he said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how uh, he now sees? We don't know. Or who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. Verse 22. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, he's of age. Ask him. What were they saying? They were just simply saying, hey, listen. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable living this life. I'm comfortable with my dead religion if the relationship is costly. Give me my religion instead of the relationship. You know, the Bible talks about that in James 4, 4. James chapter 4, verse number 4. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And you know, there's a lot of people along the way that I just want to be friends with the world. And the fact of the matter is, it couldn't be more clear than in James chapter 4, verse number 4. I mean, you know, am I a follower of Jesus Christ or am I a friend of the world? Which one am I? Because I'm not both. And there's a lot of people that try to be both. God help me. This young man responded in verse 24. Watch what he says. So a second time they called the man who had been blind. And he said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. They're talking about Jesus. Verse 25, he then answered, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. But one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And so they said to him, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Verse number 27, this is the third time they're asked, by the way. He answered them, I told you already. And you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? And they reviled him and said, you're his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and he said to them, here's an amazing thing. You don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. In other words, you guys are supposed to be Keepers of the faith. You guys are supposed to know all of these religious questions. We know that God, in verse 31, does not hear sinners. But if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, then he could do nothing. So verse 34, 
They answered him, you were born entirely in sin and are teaching us. So they put him out. It was costly. You know what the Bible says in Luke chapter number 9, verse number 23, that if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. It's costly to follow Jesus Christ. It's free in the beginning. It's grace. But along the way, it's costly. Sometimes you have friends. Sometimes you have family. Um, Jesus said, I didn't come. I came to bring a sword. There are times in our life when the sword of the Lord Jesus Christ brings division into the home, brings division into mothers and fathers and sons and daughters. It happens along the way. The question is, which side am I on? Am I with Jesus Christ or am I not? Because you can't have it both ways. So they put him out. And I'm grateful to God that Jesus Christ is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So this guy's put out, and that's costly in this day and time. The Bible says in verse 35, there's this confession, and this is the final step, the confession step. Jesus heard that they put him out. And finding him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and he is the one talking with you. Verse 38, and he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. You know what happened? In that moment, Jesus opened the eyes of his heart. How does that happen? What happens? How does that happen? I think one of the greatest descriptions in the Bible of that happening is found in Luke 24. In Luke chapter 24, do you remember when Jesus Christ had been risen from the dead and there were two guys walking down the road. They say the road to Emmaus. And there's two guys walking down the road, leaving Jerusalem, leaving the town. And they're talking about everything that just went down with this dude that was crucified and all that went down. And all of a sudden, Jesus Christ came alongside of them and started talking to them. You can read about it. Luke chapter 24, read all about it. And when you're reading all about it in Luke chapter 24, all of a sudden, Jesus reveals who he was and then he disappears from them. And they have this conversation about, man, when we were talking to him, and, and, and what were they talking about? Well, the Bible says basically they did an Old Testament survey. They were talking about how the Bible was, talk, was, was being fulfilled back there in that town through Jesus Christ. He was the Messiah. And, and, and Jesus disappeared and they start talking about it. And they said, man, weren't our hearts burning within us when he was talking to us? And you know, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit of God speaks to our hearts. It's amazing. And it's individual. It's individual. What do you mean by individual? Here's what's so amazing about how God works. God's in this place today. I believe he's in this place today. But you know, it's interesting because somebody can be sitting right next to one, one person and, 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 and one person all of a sudden God begins to blow. The winds of the Holy Spirit begin to blow into their life. And the other one's just saying, man, when's lunch coming? And the God who spoke into the universe is speaking directly into a heart. That's how he does it. And that's how he did it with this man. He spoke into his heart. And the man responded. And he said, you are Lord. And he worshipped. And the Bible goes on and it says this. Jesus said in verse 39, For judgment I came into the world, so that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. And he goes on from there. But it's an interesting statement when you read the verse in verse number 39 is basically saying, hey, the same sun that melts the ice hardens the soil. I mean, that's what he's saying. 
What do you mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. Do you realize that when you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you always respond to the gospel, by the way. I mean, there, there is a response. No response is a response. I mean, we're always responding to the gospel. And do you know that, that when I'm responding negatively to the gospel, I, be, I begin to build calluses in my heart. <clears throat> my heart gets hard after a while. I've heard that before. Give me something new. I'm done with that. And my heart gets hard. God, help me not to have a hard heart. Soften my heart. It says in verse number 40, those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and they said to him, we're not blind too, are we? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you'd have no sin. You'd have no sin, but since you say we see, then your sin remains. In other words, what's he, what's he saying? He's saying, hey, there are some people that are born with 20-20 vision, been exposed. But they're blind as a bat spiritually. And in desperate need for the eyes of their heart to be open. God, open the eyes of my heart that I might see you for who you are. Could y'all do me a favor and watch this video that I'd like to share with you this morning? asked to introduce Christopher and give a little bit of a, a timeline on his life and uh, it's hard to keep my composure uh, talking about Christopher's story but he was born in May of uh, 2011 2001, 2001. <laughs> thank you you can tell him you can do it better than I can I have to go back a few years yeah and he it, his mother was on, on drugs, Oxycontin and cocaine, and uh, he was a, n- a nephew of ours. And we went down to Florida and took him out of the foster care system in uh, August of 2002. And uh, he's been a blessing to our family, and uh, he, he loves to share his gifts. And this March, he was kind of discovered by the union leader and all the local media outlets in Boston. And uh, he's... Uh, He's been singing a lot of patriotic songs, but to back up a few years, when in 2004, Christopher was on our, his first mission trip with Eight Days of Hope. And at four years old, he went down to the front of the, uh, the music ministry, and uh, they handed him a microphone, and he sang the song he's going to sing tonight, Open the Eyes of My Heart.
little boy is about 20 years old. God's still doing a beautiful work in and through him. He opened the eyes of his heart. My question to you today is, has your heart's eyes been open to Jesus? (laughs) Makes all the difference in the world. He said, I have come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And if you've never called on his name, 
I'm inviting you today. Won't you call on his name? God loves you. He loves you so much. He sent his son to the world. And he laid his, down, laid his life down for you and for me. <clears throat> because we have a problem that we can't fix. And he desires intimacy, relationship with you and with me. And we can only have it through Jesus. And so today, call on his name. What I'd like to do this morning is, is we're going to pray. Uh, and, and as we pray together, uh, these guys are going to lead us in a song. Um, and then after our prayer time, we'll close out in a song. And, and, and when we're finished, I'll be down front. My wife will be down front. If you're here this morning, say, hey, I'd like to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ. We're inviting you to come today. Come today. So could you do me a favor and join me for prayer? And I pray to God that this would be the prayer that you would have with me. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes. I want to see you. I want to see you. Would you sing with me? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see. Lord Jesus, that's my prayer today. Father, that you would open the eyes of our heart. God, I pray for each and every person here this morning. Father, if there's any here that's never been saved, that your Holy Spirit would open the eyes of our hearts today. God, we love you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.